You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. What's up, Radiant Church? You guys good? Good, good, good. Hey, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Go Lions, right? Yeah. Woo, yeah. Hey, they were nine and eight this year. There's a chance. There's a chance. Next year. Next year. That's right. Hey, if you're new this morning, welcome. My name is Marco. I am the lead pastor here. So glad you could join us. If you're watching online, uh, leave us a comment. Share this on your newsfeed. Check out our YouTube page. Be a subscriber. I think we're over 400 400 subscribers now. Help us to continue to grow that list and continue reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, today, listen, um, actually, not today. Let me, <laughs> let me pause for just a moment, and I want to just say something quick. This Wednesday night is our monthly night of prayer and worship. It begins at 6.30 and goes to 7.30. If you can be here, um, that would be amazing. We've uh, been seeing God just do incredible things in our Worship night. In fact, uh, one of our, I think it was our last worship night, we had over almost 190 people here. Uh, the room was actually absolutely packed and it was just incredible. And we're going to be praying about our theme for this evening will be Psalm 27. We're going to talk about, pray about rather, um, just the battle belongs to God. The battle belongs to God. Whatever battle you're facing, because here's what I know about um, all of you I know that you are facing a battle. And if you're not facing the battle, you're about to go into a battle. And so we want to just pray with you, pray corporately, whether that's a battle for your marriage, whether it's a battle for your finances, whether it's your kids, whether it's a drug addiction, whether you, um, whatever it is, I don't know. There's a bazillion battles that you could be facing on a personal level on a daily basis, and we want to encourage you. We want to pray together and really just submit it to God and let him do the heavy lifting. All right, so join us this Wednesday night. Today, we are, in, we are in week number two. I'm going to try to slow down, but I've got a lot of content, not a lot of time. We are in week number two of a message series entitled Christ, Culture, and Church. And it is a study through um, the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to spend nine weeks here. We'll wrap this up just right after um, Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is going to be incredible. We'll have three services for that as well. So just get ready for that. It's going to be a great day. But we'll wrap this series up the week after Easter Sunday. And this is a letter that Paul wrote. And if you're new to the Bible, it's in, it's in the New Testament. You can read it there. Paul wrote to the church that was located in Corinth. Now, let me just say this quickly. Paul, who wrote this letter, was a man who was radically saved by Jesus himself and transformed. His whole life was transformed Really an incredible testimony. Paul was not a Christian. He actually opposed the church, and then he met Jesus in just a radical way, and it changed his life forever. Paul became a missionary and an evangelist, and uh, scholars say that Paul started the church in A.D. 50. In A.D. 50. I want to just show you a map of Corinth to just give you a feel for where that would be located. It's circled in red. You can look that you can look at the, the map right behind me. It's, in, it's found in Greece. It was a key city in Greece. And then Turkey's to the right, of course. You can see Italy. And then, of course, the Middle East would be further to your right if, if you're looking at 
the map that would be uh, Babylon would be modern-day Iraq. And so Corinth was located in Greece, and it was a very strategic place because it was a place where lots of cultures, lots of ethnic backgrounds would meet and converse. And there was also a lot of religions that mingled here. And because of this, it was sort of a melting pot, so to speak, of cultures and backgrounds and belief systems. And because of that, there was actually quite a bit of dysfunction in the church there. And the reason for that um, really is simple, is because the members of the church uh, permitted the sins of the city to enter into the local assembly, into the local gathering. The members of the church permitted the sins of the, of the city to get into the local gathering. So Corinth, 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 Corinth was a bit like Vegas on steroids, if you're wondering what that was like. If you've ever been to Vegas, I'm not going to say anything else, okay? <laughs> you know what that's like. And so I've been there myself. And so it was like Corinth, it was like Vegas on steroids. And here's what we learned in our first week as we looked at this series. We learned this, that when the church looks too much like the world, trouble ensues, right? When the church looks too much like the world, trouble ensues. When you can't tell the difference between the church and the world, something's off, man. It's just not right. It's just not the way it's supposed to be, okay? Because uh, honestly here, the church, we were never meant to, to practice the same behaviors of the world and we were not meant to participate in the, in the sexual ethics of our world, and we were never meant to um, uh, believe truly all the cultural narratives that are, are shoved down our throats through, through mass media and whatnot. Um, we just don't believe all the lies, and we don't participate. At least we're not meant to, okay? So we're not meant to. And so rather, the church was meant to be what Jesus called a city on a hill. This is Jesus' words. Jesus called the church a city on a hill. That's us. That's corporately all of us together. It was meant to be a place where many would see and that many would be drawn to as well. So Paul, as he opens up this letter, what he does is he reminds the Corinthians basically what they were called to. And if you were here, you heard this last week. Paul says, hey, I got to remind you, you guys you were called to be holy. What does that mean? Well, it means to be set apart and to be devoted to Christ. You were called to be holy. Paul says you were called to unity, not to popularity contests, not to divisions, not to see who was better among you. Finally, Paul says you were called to glorify God with your life because God chose the weak things of our world. He chose the despised things of our world to shame the so-called wise of this world, okay? To shame the so-called wise of this world. Now, today, uh, I have a lot to unpack, but we're going to unpack just a few things, and that is really this. We're going to see that Paul is going to talk about wisdom today, and there's going to be a contrast, just to make this very simple for you, because some of the verses are going to be confusing. You're going to be like, I don't understand this. So my job as a preacher is to make it uh, simple for you to understand. It may not be easy for you to accept, and that's okay. But, for, but I want you to understand it, okay? Here's the deal. Paul is going to contrast the wisdom of our world with the wisdom of God, okay? Two types of wisdom. One is the wisdom from the world, okay? So the message is called, 
is entitled The Wisdom of This World versus The Wisdom from God. The Wisdom of Our World versus The Wisdom of God. What does the wisdom of our world promote? What does that look like? And what is the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ? What does that promote? Well, let me just give you a, a quick foundation here. Proverbs 1.7 says this. It tells us this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What does that mean? It means this. It means that true biblical wisdom always begins with a reverence for God. True biblical wisdom always begins with a reverence for God, knowing God is sovereign, he's holy, he's to be revered. That's where biblical wisdom begin, begins. All true wisdom begins with a reverence for God. Now, the Corinthians, they thought that they were being wise because they were buying into the wisdom of this world. But Paul says, you're not wise at all. You're actually being what? Foolish, he says. He calls them foolish because we know that our world... There's all types of worldly wisdom, like, hey, just do what makes you happy. We hear that a lot. I hear that almost daily. Just do whatever makes you happy. If it feels good, make you, if it makes you happy, if it makes you happy, sorry, I couldn't help it. Man, that was good. That was so good. Sorry. Shout out to my girl, Cheryl Crow. All right. I couldn't help it. I didn't do that in the first service. Holy Spirit inspired me on that one, though. That's the message of our world, though, right? We sing that. It's so catchy. If it makes you happy, right? Just do whatever. Be true to you. The scripture would say, well, don't do whatever makes you happy because a lot of times that leads to your destruction. It's going to mess up your marriage. You're going to be divorced. You're going to be broke, and you're going to be addicted to something, right? Usually that's how it works. Divorced, broke, and addicted to something. We see a lot of that in Bay City, if I can just be blunt, okay? Broke, divorced, and addicted. I see that like a lot when I talk to people, okay? And so the scripture says rather, be holy. Don't, don't, be, don't just do whatever makes you happy. Be, be holy. And holiness, listen, guess what it'll lead to? It'll lead to happiness. It'll lead to joy, actually. It's a byproduct of that. So we're going to look at that this morning. <laughs> and uh, let's, why don't we go right into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to begin in verse number 6 and just... Uh, we're going to read about 10 verses together, all right? And uh, hold on, it's going to be good. Here we go. Verse number six, Paul writes. He says this, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom. Remember, um, Paul is still addressing the divisiveness in church, okay? The first four chapters of, the, of Corinthians is all about divisions in the church. It's all related, just so you know, okay? So he's addressing that still here. So let me give you context. We do, however, speak a, mis- a message of wisdom, which is the word Sophia in the Greek, among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, Paul says, hey, if, if, if the rulers of this world were truly wise, they would have not crucified Jesus, okay? They wouldn't hung him on a cross. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Let's continue. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his, what, church? 
spirit. And I want you to notice the word spirit. Oh, he doesn't show up on this one. But if you're looking in your Bible, if you're looking in you version, the word spirit there is capital S, capital S, okay? It's the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, God's presence here on the earth, okay? The spirit, again, capital S, searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit, little s, within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, if you're in Christ, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit, the capital S, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person, I love verse 14, the person without the spirit. Who is the person without the spirit? It's, it's, it's an unbeliever, essentially, okay? The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. They just they, right, think it's folly and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the capital S, the spirit, okay? This is why unbelievers don't understand the gospel, the Bible. They don't, they don't accept the message. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right. Well, there's a lot here to swallow here, isn't there? <laughs> a lot to chew on. And some of you are like, holy smokes, how is he going to unpack this in 23 minutes? Lord, help me, because I don't know how I'm going to do that as well. All right. So let's pray together, and we will dive right in. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. It's alive. It's active. We, we, we do believe that, God. And uh, thank you for Paul's words as well. And we pray that the Spirit would indeed open our hearts, our minds um, to the realities that we see in Scripture, God. For we know that we cannot understand your word unless the Spirit of God actually does a work in us. It's supernatural. It's a miracle. And yet, that's what we're praying for today, God. God, would you just draw men and women to you today? Would you um, heal marriages? Would you uh, restore lives? Lord, Lord, would you break addictions and bondages in Jesus' name, break those off chains that have uh, held people in bondage for years because of maybe generational curses or whatnot, Lord? Would you break chains, Lord, today in this sanctuary, in this place, God, even those who are watching on line. Come and do the work that only you can do. Holy Spirit, we trust you. Have your way. And may your presence be felt here in a very tangible way as we open your word. We pray all of this in the uh, mighty name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen, amen. Well, listen, every parent faces this protest at one point or another, okay? No, no matter where your kids are at, maybe they're elementary age, um, maybe they are in high school. Your kids, are, they're going to make this protest at one, at one point or another. And the protest is this. Hear me well. It's not fair. Right? It's not fair, mom, dad. It's not fair. Right? Everybody's doing it. Why can't I? Why won't you let me go there? Why won't you let me see him? Why can't I play over there? How come I can't do this? It's just not fair. Mom, come on, Mom. It's just not fair. Dad, do you hear me? It's not fair. And we as good parents, what do we try to do? Well, we try to explain our decisions, don't we? And, and you know how it goes. Sweetheart, sweetheart. Hey, listen. Hey. I mean, if they're little, we 
get on their, <laughs> we get on their level, eye to eye, and we say, listen, 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 listen. It's for your own good, right? You have to trust me on this one. And they're like, yeah, whatever. The eyes roll in the back of their heads, of course, right? We hear the sigh, the ah, right? Despite our best efforts of explaining ourselves, sometimes our children cannot understand the what? The wisdom behind our decisions. They just don't get it, right? They don't get the wisdom behind our decisions. And parents, if you haven't faced that yet, it's coming for you, baby. It's coming for you, right? Many times, though, many times, listen, it takes years. It takes years uh, before our children can see the wisdom of a decision that we've made. In fact, it's, it's taken me years, right? It's taken me years to see uh, some of the wisdom, not all the wisdom, okay, but some of the wisdom that my own parents made in raising me. In fact, um, I think every parent goes through this, don't you? Like, you find yourself saying something your dad used to say or your mom said, and you're like, oh, no, I'm becoming mom, right? Like, I'm becoming dad, right? It's ah, it's that wisdom. It's actually, I'm, I said I would never be like her or never, you know, do like him, and here I am. I'm saying the same thing to my kids, and it takes us years and years to have our eyes open to wisdom at times, right? And listen, our kids don't accept the things that we always have for them. It's not necessarily because they're rebellious. It doesn't always mean that, okay? It's, that's not always the case. Um, but it, this is the case. Here is often the case. They're simply too, here's the word, immature, right? They're, they're too immature to grasp the wisdom of mom and dad. And this is, this is what Paul says here in his letter to the Corinthians. Now, the Corinthians have bought into the wisdom of the world is what's happening here. And we'll, we'll try to define those, those terms as we, as we go through the message. So Paul says this, my first point being this, Paul says that wisdom is only for the mature, right? Wisdom is only for the mature. So Paul says you have to be mature to understand the things of God. Well, how do you understand the things of God? You, have to, you actually have to believe the things of God is what really Paul is saying. You have to accept the gospel. You have to Follow Jesus and thereby become mature. Look at verse number six. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming, he says, to nothing. The rulers of this age, the rulers of our world are coming to nothing. You know, getting older isn't always fun, right? Amen, church? You start to wake up. You feel things you never felt before in your life. Can I get a, can I get a test? Can someone testify to that this morning, right? Yeah. You wake up and you're like, I didn't even know I had that body part. Like, man, it's like, ooh, the elbow, and you got like the hip, and like, ooh, the knee, and you, you, I mean, you land wrong. You're like, oh, oh, you're like, honey, honey, help, right? You're like, I mean, getting old can have its pains, its aches, its pressures. Um, surely a lot of responsibility, amen? A lot of responsibility. But let me tell you, one of the things um, about growing older, and let me actually specify, not just growing older. One of the good things about actually becoming more mature, that's what I really should say, is that it often opens our eyes to wisdom, doesn't it? It opens our eyes to wisdom. Unless you're dumb, then you're just dumb. We'll pray for you. But I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a thing. That's a thing. Okay? We got to pray for that too. All right. As we become mature, listen, we're able to see things closely that we could never see when, when we were younger. So some of you, in your, you're in your 30s, and you're starting to see things that you didn't see in your 20s. But in your 40s, you're going to see things that you didn't see when you were in your 30s, so on and so forth, right? And so younger people, sometimes they hear the wisdom of older people, and what, they still roll their eyes. They're like, ah, because they think they know 
everything. It's like, you don't know anything, you chump. Like, get over here. Like, who do you think you are, right? So let me just say, listen, as we mature in Christ, we see things that we have not been able to see in our youth. And what's true of maturity in the spiritual realm is also, or what's true of maturity in the natural realm, sorry, is true of maturity in the spiritual realm as well. But here's, let me just say this. Paul essentially is saying those who are spiritually mature are those who accept the gospel and they see it as the wisdom of God. They accept the gospel. It's not just easy believism. They accept the gospel and they see it as wisdom from God. Christian wisdom, Christian wisdom is the gospel, okay? The so-called rulers of our world, people with power, people with political sway, right? It looks like they have a lot of power. It looks like they have all the wisdom because they have success, they have money, they have prestige, they have power. But Paul says this, listen, one day they're going to answer to Christ and all of their accomplishments will come to nothing. It will come to nothing, Paul says. That's not real wisdom, right? Powerful people seem to have it all together. And if you have, if you make good money, money is really deceptive because money can shelter a lot of the pain of life, right? It can make you appear that everything is okay when it's not really that okay for you. Make sense? Right? You can cover a lot of it up by throwing money at things, okay? Paul's trying to say that. Powerful people in our world, listen, do those types of things, okay? But that's not real wisdom. That never leads to life, though, right? It never leads to life. How do you know if somebody is mature? I think there are many ways that you can tell if people are mature spiritually, but let me just give you one for today. You can tell if a person is spiritually mature based on his or her diet. You can tell if a person is spiritually mature based on his diet. Okay? I want you to think about this for just a moment. If you look to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you've got, you got to flip ahead. Like I said, the first four chapters are all related because he's talking about the same things here, okay? So we're going to skip around somewhat when it comes to this series. But in chapter 3, Paul says, I couldn't even approach you guys as spiritual people uh, or people who live by the Spirit. It's the Greek word pneumatikos or pneumatikos, literally those who are in the Spirit. Paul says, like, I couldn't call you spiritual people because you were still worldly. That's how immature you are. Paul says, I couldn't give you solid food. I had to give you milk because you're not ready for solid food, which, by the way, um, that is not... Uh, a compliment, okay? It's not a compliment for the church in Corinth here. So the idea is, is that you can tell a person's spiritual maturity by their diet. Uh, we have two kids. Most of you know that. One of uh, our son, he's five years old. Our daughter's eight right now. And here's what that meant for us growing up. This meant this. When, when my wife was nursing our son, my daughter was already old enough. She was in a high chair, and she was eating solid foods, right? So you could tell the maturity level, but just by looking at them and what they uh, what they ate, one was, was being nursed, and the other was actually eating solid foods. You could tell the difference between their maturity level, right? Now, some commentators say this, that milk refers to easy doctrines, like the things in Scripture that are easy to grasp and like are very, like not very offensive, you know what I mean? Like not offensive to a wider culture. And then the, 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 um, the solid things are referring to the hard things in Scripture, the doctrines that are not so easy to swallow, that are more offensive, that are harder for us to wrap our minds around. And that might be the case, but either way, we need to say that um, we need to say that the Word of God is our spiritual food, church. Okay, so I'll give you a few references, very rapid fire. Uh, the Scripture calls it milk. 
1 Peter 2, chapter 2, or 1 Peter 2, verse 2, excuse me. Bread, Matthew 4, 4. And Jesus says, man cannot live on bread alone, by, but, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, okay? Meat, Hebrews 5, 11. And then honey, Psalm 119, 103. And so I just want you to think of it like this. Just as a physical man needs a balanced diet to grow and develop, um, the spiritual man, the spiritual woman also needs this balanced diet, not just milk, but, but solid foods, right? Because a baby begins with milk, but then he or she grows up, uh, they have teeth, and then they need solid food to develop and mature. So let me just say this in closing on that point. Mature believers accept the gospel, okay? They chew on the difficult things in Scripture, and they eat solid foods that continue to grow in Christ, okay? Paul's saying, listen, like, Mature people, they have to accept the gospel. That's where your maturity level begins there. If you don't accept the gospel, then you're still actually a fool in the eyes of God. That's actually what he's saying. He says to these Corinthians, you guys are foolish, man. You're foolish. You're playing popularity contests. You're having divisions among you, right? Some Apollos, some Paul, some Peter, some Cephas, some Jesus, right? You're, this is not church. This is not the way church is supposed to be. It's not who's cool and who's not cool, who fits in, who doesn't fit in. You guys are, you have it all wrong. And Paul says, the paradigms you've been building, they're all completely wrong. You're not mature because you haven't received the gospel truly for what it is, the power of God. Okay? So listen, maturity, or wisdom, I should say, is for the mature. Number two, Paul says, true wisdom comes from God and not the world. Right? So true wisdom comes from God and not the world. Look at verse number seven. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Before time began. I'm going to just take a few moments with this point. Um, there's a lot of people in our culture, even in the church in some sense, um, that love the idea of God in their life, but they don't actually love God. I'm going to step on a few toes, so just get ready, okay? So they love the ideals of the faith, like, hey, let's love one another, let's be kind, you know, let's forgive, let's just all hold hands, okay? Um, that's a Christian thing, right? And, uh, but at the same time, listen, at the same time, these certain individuals, not everybody, of course, but these certain individuals um, would fail to walk in the ways of Christ, okay? So there's a difference, Okay? I'm talking about specifically those who just love the ideals but don't want to walk in the ways of Christ, okay? And let me just say this. When you abandon the ways of Christ for your own ways, can I just say by default, you forsake the wisdom of God? I'm going to say it one more time. When you abandon the ways of Christ for your own ways, by default, you abandon the wisdom of Christ. You're abandoning the wisdom of God. Because why? Well, because you're doing it your way. So what are you doing? It's your wisdom, not God's wisdom. You see the difference there? It's your wisdom, not God's wisdom. So you might admire the ideals of the Christian faith, which is fantastic, but, but when you choose to walk in your own ways, you're still choosing, listen, the world's wisdom over, your, over God's wisdom. And, 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 and I want us to be careful. Adam and Eve did the same thing in the Garden of Eden. When they listened to the serpent, they disobeyed. And what they did is they, they passed on the wisdom of God so they could seek moral independence from him. Humanity turned away from God, and what, what did they do? What did they do? They turned 
towards themselves. Like, well, we have the answer. We're better. We, we know better. We know better. Not you, not God. We know better. And that's what and mankind has continued to do that. And so listen, church, it's just gentle, just gentle reminder from your pastor. I want to be careful that, um, I want us to be careful that we're not just fans of Jesus, but followers of Jesus, right? Right, so, right, we're not just fans of Jesus, but followers of Jesus. Let me just say this, fans of Jesus admire Jesus, but they don't follow Jesus, okay? And and listen, we're all, we're all susceptible to that, so just, okay, we're all, we're all susceptible to that, I get that, okay? Sometimes, though, we do think that admiring Jesus and following Jesus are the same thing, um, but, they're, but they're not, right? They're just not. Following Jesus, listen, admiring Jesus and following him are not the same thing. One admires Jesus from afar but doesn't follow his ways, and the other, listen, the other surrenders to Jesus and then begins living as he lived, as he walked. This is the message that we see here, I believe, in Corinthians, that true wisdom, listen, that does not come from our own ways. It comes from following God's ways. True wisdom comes from the Lord. Finally, number three, uh, Paul just says this, that the, the person without the Spirit cannot accept the wisdom of God, right? That the person without the Spirit cannot accept the wisdom of God. Now, there's, there are those who, of course, are immature, and we know that, but then there are those without the Spirit as a whole, the person without the Spirit cannot accept the wisdom of God. They cannot understand uh, things of God. It says this in verse number 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them, here it is, church, foolishness, right? Foolishness. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through what? The Spirit. They're only discerned through the Spirit. Listen, in order to break through to our break through our sin and our disbelief, we need... Um, we need the, the Spirit of God to what? To apply the Word of God to our hearts so that we can actually respond to God in faith. Now, you can hear the, the Word of God all day. You can hear a gospel presentation all day, and it doesn't mean that you've accepted it. Just by default, that does not mean that you've accepted it, okay? Well, I've been praying for my son. I've been praying for my daughter. I've been praying for my husband. I've been praying for my aunt, and that's awesome. I think that's actually the most evangelistic thing you can do, honestly. It's like pray for for unbelievers in your family. Why? Because it's going to take more than your, your wit, your charm, your great arguments to convince them to become a Christian. You know what it takes? The Spirit of God to move on their hearts. Yeah. The Spirit of God, listen, to move them in such a way that they can actually respond in faith. Whether you're a Calvinist or an Arminianist, okay, it's the same thing, right? It's really, I mean, both believe that apart from the Spirit of God, we cannot just sort of accept God. We cannot come to him on our own terms. It just doesn't work that way. We need, either if you're an Arminius, you need, a, you need prevenient grace, grace that comes before, hence the, hence the word pre, prevenient, or you need the Spirit of God to just open up your eyes, wherever you want to fall on that scale, whether you're a Calvinist or an Arminius, okay? We, we can explain that another time if you're like, what in the world is he talking about, okay? The unsaved person, listen, does not understand the Christian, because why? Because they live in two different worlds, right? One has the Spirit, one doesn't have the Spirit. And I want you to remind you guys that sin, listen, has darkened our minds, it's distorted our affections, it's disabled our wills as, as well. 
But the good news is that God does intervene and he can reverse the curse, right? He can reverse the effects of sin in our lives. He can soften our hearts. He can open our eyes to the gospel. He can draw us. He can redirect our wills. So what? So that we love him, we can serve him, um, we worship him gladly with an open heart. Listen, if you're here and you're, if you're here, let me, just, let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you feel drawn to the gospel, if you're here this morning and you feel, you feel drawn to Christ, can I just tell you, that's a, that's, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Because why? Because God is, God is doing it. It's not me. His word, it has all the power, but it's his spirit is drawing you. He's softening your heart. He's, he's tugging you ever so gently towards his son, Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're like, I, don't, I still don't know what I believe, Marco, and I'm still wavering on some of those things, on sexual ethics. Like, I don't know because I have a cousin who's this and my uncle's that. And I get that. I, get, I totally get that. And that's okay. That's okay for now, right? But listen, if, if he's softening your heart, if you're here and you're drawn, you're drawn to Christ, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. He's doing something amazing. In fact, the Bible calls it regeneration. Regeneration. He regenerates our hearts. And we'll wrap up in about five or six minutes here. I'll try my best. But listen, let me just give you four quick ways the Scripture talks about this regenerating work in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit's work. Number one, number one the Bible speaks of regeneration in the sense like this, being born again, being born again. John 3.3 says this, Jesus says this, uh, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. Uh, it doesn't say no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are good churchgoers, right? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they, you know, give 15%. No one, you know, you get the picture, right? What does he say? You must be born again is the idea here. What does that mean? It means regeneration. It's the idea of God doing a spiritual work in you to draw him to open your eyes so that you can respond in faith. Number two, the Bible speaks of regeneration as new creation. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Being in Christ is better than a second chance. It's being made new completely. You're a new creation now. Yeah, that's good news. It's better, it's better than a second chance. Number three, new life. I won't go to a scripture there, but new life. Finally, number four, it's receiving a new heart, a new heart, a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, I think it is. Yep, 36, 26 says this. And notice what God says. He says, I, I will give you a new heart. Not, not another man, not Pastor Marco, not an elder of the church, not your boss. It's the Lord. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then verse 27 says this, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to what? Keep my laws. A person who's spiritually dead cannot obey God. It's impossible. Paul says that you cannot, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What's the problem with our old heart? Well, the problem with our old heart is our old heart loved all the wrong things. We were, by nature, by default, we were lovers of ourselves, not lovers of God. By default, we were worshipers of ourselves, not lovers, not worshipers of Yahweh, the one true God. 
Let me ask you a question as we get ready to close this morning. What's propping up your life? What's propping up your life? Is it the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of God? Right? And, and I know it, it's so easy, you guys. Here's why it's so easy to, to follow the wisdom of the world, because we hear it 24 hours a day. Unless you're reprogramming your mind with the word of God, you're hearing the wisdom of the world every day, all day. So even Christians can fall into this. Let me ask you a question. What's propping your life up? Think of a table with four legs on it, but you take one leg off. It's kind of wobbly. But imagine if this was a nightstand or a small end table, and you were to actually sit on that table. What would happen likely? It would just come crumbling down. You would fall on your rear end, right? Crashing down because you don't have all four legs there. This is a bit of a picture of what it looks like to build your life on the wisdom of the world. Like eventually, it's just going to catch up with you, um, and your world's going to come crumbling in front of you, right? What are you building your life on? The wisdom of God found in Scripture or the wisdom of the world? And I, for some of you, listen, let me, let me be, be very pointed. This morning, I talked about the Holy Spirit, right? And I just sensed this this week as I was praying. I just sensed that God wanted to breathe some new life into some of you. I sensed this, that God wanted to save some of you, actually. I don't know who that is. I don't, maybe it's not for anyone. I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this, and we'll close, and then I'm going to have Pastor Jake and Kendall um, lead us just for a few minutes. If you're here this morning and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, can I ask you don't run away from that? Man, that's a gift, you guys. It's a gift, I promise you. If you're here right now and you feel like the spirit in you is, is coming alive, like there's an awakening, can I just, can I, can I beg you? Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't, don't push it. Don't suppress it. Paul says this in Romans 1, that we've suppressed the truth because of our wickedness. Some of you, you're here, and you're hearing the message, and yet, when you feel the prompting of the Spirit, what you do is you push it down. You're like, Aah. right? Don't, don't suppress it. Don't harden your heart today. Can I just tell you, that's a gift from God. It's a miracle that you're hearing this. If you desire the wisdom of God, if you want, listen, to accept the gospel today, listen, today is the day of salvation. I just want to challenge you. Today is your day of salvation. I'm not talking about just believing in God because... So many people say that. What God? <laughs> what God do you believe in, I guess, is my question. What God? The God of this, this world? The one that human rulers all listen to? Or the God of all creation that we see in Genesis? So if you're here today, listen, and the Spirit of God is moving on you, listen, I, don't suppress it. Don't push it down. Don't harden your hearts. Today, I want you to surrender your ways to Him. Listen, today, I want you to bow your knee. Listen, today, I want you to repent of sin. I want you to follow Jesus. I don't just want you to go through the motions. Listen, if you're wondering, why isn't my heart stirred for, for God? Why isn't my heart stirred? My, why isn't my heart's affection stirred for Him? Listen, it may be that you're just hardening your heart over and over and over again. Listen, the danger is, is that if you do it too often, your heart becomes calloused. And then you no longer can, can sense the Spirit moving. And, and I, just, I just, 
Like, I don't even know if it's for anyone in here today. I, I, I just took a risk in, in, in first service, and I'm going to do it again um, by faith. I'm just going to do it again. We're just going to welcome the Holy Spirit. We're going to welcome the Holy Spirit just for a couple minutes, okay? Just to search your hearts. And if you don't know Jesus, I, we want to talk to you. Our prayer team, they're not going to come up right now, but they're going to come up in a few minutes. And we just want to pray with you. We want to lead you to Jesus. We want to give you some tools. We want to encourage you. We're not here to beat you up. We're not here to condemn you. We're not here to tell you how much of a failure you are. You already know that. Satan already tells you that every day. It's for some of you. I'm serious. Satan is the accuser, so he holds that in front of us, right? He tells us that we're failing as a mother. We're failing as a dad. We're not doing this. We're not working hard enough. We don't make enough money here. We don't do that, right? We're not here to tell you everything you're doing wrong, but to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to sing this song just for a couple moments called Holy Spirit. You, you know it. Let me pray for you right now. And then I want you to stand up. Holy Spirit, just come and search our hearts just for a few moments today. Come and soften our hardened hearts, Lord. So often our hearts are hardened because of life. And we've, we've just seen too many things, God. And we've been hurt too many times. Or... So God, just by your spirit, would you soften our hearts? And I pray that, Lord, if... if if men or women today here sense your prompting, I pray that they would not run away from it. I pray that they would not harden their hearts, but today give their lives over to you. Jesus, do what you can only do. Spirit of God, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name.